0: motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week?
1: Thanks, Doug. As we check elsewhere around North Dakota, one nice thing about the wind and yo-yoing weather is it's helping to settle snow and making it easier for anglers to access some of the larger lakes across the state as well as smaller ones. That's helping to get more anglers out and allowing them to move around on the ice better. Overall success varies, though, depending on one's location and time of day. Access isn't great across all lakes, but it's better than it has been for many. Devil's Lake remains somewhat slow for both perch and walleye, although, there again, it's easier to move around on the lake. Lake Ashtabula remains a nice winter option, and anglers continue enjoying walleye activity along with some perch mixed in. The neat thing is that some of the anglers venturing off of the bottom and are working suspended, they're finding some nice-sized crappie. And, like several other lakes, access getting onto Lake Ashtabula and moving around on the ice is helping to get anglers out. Out west, though, the Missouri River is still pretty quiet, and the east end of Lake Sakakwe isn't providing much success either. It seems there's better activity around Beulah and beaver bays on the south shore for walleye. The midsection around the Van Hook arm has more anglers out, and they're finding a little more walleye than what they did earlier this winter. Lake Audubon's still somewhat slow and spotty as well. Lake Darling hasn't drawn much attention on the report lately, but it too is now easier to move around, and anglers are finding some small walleye.
0: Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale. And she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer Agri gone outdoors at eleven o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle
2: Agri. Kevin Kading. He is with North Dakota Game and Fish, Private Lands Coordinator. Welcome to Gone Outdoors, Kevin. Hi, thanks. A little birdie had told us that uh, you're working on a pretty special program that uh, a lot of our listeners might be interested in. Let's fill them in. What is this program that you're working on?
3: Yeah, sounds good. Um Thanks for having me on. We just wanted to get some uh, get some information out to to your listeners, whether you're a hunter or a landowner. Primarily, landowners might find this interesting, but hunters are going to be the beneficiary too. Um, we have a program. It's a newly formed program. It's called the Red River Basin Wildlife and Water Quality Program, and that's kind of a mouthful. But really, what it is is it's you know we took a look at that part of the state, being the Red River Valley, is really dedicated to egg production. We wanted to find a way to try to improve some wildlife habitat, improve water quality in an area that's heavily high egg production. So we wanted a program that would work for producers. And so we worked on this as a partnership with the North Dakota Department of Environmental Quality, which was formerly the Department of Health and North Dakota Game and Fish, our agency. And seven different soil conservation districts in the Red River Valley, and so we yeah, we also actually had the International Water Institute that was involved in this, and so to try to discuss what the need is in that area, and really what it came down to was it's because it's such a heavily egg production area, you know, we needed to find a program that would work for producers, and we're talking about smaller areas, um, those odd areas, or maybe you know just parts of their cropland that are not the most productive maybe they're saline or they're flood prone or just some areas along creeks or drainages things like that that problem spots i guess is what i would call them maybe in some cases maybe they just want to square off a field but kind of the odds and ends and little bits and pieces is kind of what i would consider would be perfect for this program and um we just you know there's a lot of different things out there that are available for producers but this is just one more tool in a toolbox and so it's not a program that is you know, looking to enroll your high high yielding cropland acres, it's meant for those problem areas, I guess, in the field.
2: That is an interesting um, pr- approach to this because you're balancing, you know, so many different uh, aspects. Right, you've got so many balls in the air with with ag production, with water quality, with wildlife habitat, and uh, it sounds like a great approach to that. Kevin, my question is: as I think about the Red River Basin, right? That's that's a very large area. Is this program specific to the North Dakota side? Like what, how big of an area are we talking about being eligible?
3: Yeah, great question. Um, it is on the North Dakota side first and foremost, but um, it is, I mentioned seven counties, soil conservation districts in those seven counties. And those counties are Cass, Grand Forks, Griggs, Ransom, Richland, Sargent, and Walsh. It doesn't mean that the other counties are not important or less important. It's just that really the, the reason why these cho- these counties were chosen is because there's manpower there there's staffing in the soil conservation districts in the form of a in, a in the form of a body that can actually help deliver this even though we helped craft this between us and the other partners it's being delivered by the local soil conservation districts in those counties and so a landowner in any of those counties would be working directly with their local soil conservation district staff
2: so kevin how is this program going to work what's if somebody calls what can they expect
3: i would say first if they if they have an interest give one of those county offices a call um they probably know that information but we also have information on our website if someone's interested a fact sheet that has contact information for those counties but they can expect, you know, somebody to, to ask them what their goals are, or what their objectives are. They'd probably come out and look at the land, talk to them or look at some maps of their land. A lot of these county offices are familiar with the producers and producers are familiar with them already. So they'll just kind of look at that piece of property that they're interested in and then kind of look at what practice would work. It might be planting grass. It might be planting some hayland. It might be planting some trees. It might be squaring off an area around a wetland or it might be just squaring off that creek edge. Or that little area in the corner that you just really don't, doesn't produce a whole lot. Might be three acres, might be 20, might be, you know, 15 acres. It really has a lot of flexibility from that standpoint. Um, But if we can target some of those problem areas, I always kind of look at it as, look at it as a a portfolio, a financial portfolio. If you have a piece of your portfolio that's not performing, you should probably address that. You know, look at it as a way to address that bad performing area in your portfolio.
2: So, Kevin, um, you know, besides it sounds like the obvious benefits for wildlife, for habitat, what are the goals? Do you guys have you thrown out a number as to what you think could possibly happen here in the first year? How many people might sign up? You know, how much land might be where we might be talking about?
3: Yeah, and, and again, these are always kind of moving. You never really know with a new program, and, and it actually is a pilot program. If it if it took off and there was more interest, um, we would hope that we could go back to the Outdoor Heritage Fund and the Department of Environmental Quality and our agency and find more dollars for this um, and expand it to other counties. But really, from a wildlife standpoint, we we threw out a goal of 3,000 acres for a starting point, and in that part of the state, honestly speaking, that's a pretty good lift. Um, and, um, you know, and then from a water quality standpoint too, there's some, um, there's some estimates and some goals for, uh, reducing nitrogen, phosphorus, and sediment that goes into these water bodies. And so, um, there are some goals set out. We don't really know how many landowners that'll equate to until we start getting people in the door. You might have some small tract ownership. You might have some bigger owners. It all depends, but, um, that's pretty flexible. We don't, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes. But we're hoping we'll we'll hit some of those targets as we get going here.
2: If somebody signs up for this, what time frame are they looking at? Is this is this a yearly thing? Is this a ten year commitment? Is it lifetime? You know, what are we talking about as far as longevity?
3: Yep. No, that's a really, it's actually pretty short term. It's pretty flexible that way too. It's not anything long-term or perpetual. Um, They basically, if if the producer wants to, let's just say they wanted to plant some grass along one of these areas, that's a problem spot. They would get cost share to to do the grass, to plant the grass and install that. But then if they wanted to, um, they could receive what's called a, a, basically it's kind of like a rental payment for five years, up to five years. They could receive a rental payment, to uh for 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 managing those acres for that five-year time period they could either take that as an upfront lump sum payment or they can do it on an annual uh annual rental type payment and uh and that's it there's no commitment past that they could they can leave it we would hope that practice and that habitat and that you know would stay on the landscape after that um but it you know, at that at that time, it's up to them, and and um, and this might also be another option for producers. There's there's a whole suite of other programs available for producers to choose from, but this might be one of those that's a little bit more flexible, a little more shorter term, maybe something that's a little more workable, and um, just we encourage people to at least look into it. It might be an option that they haven't had before.
2: All right, Kevin. Uh, one last question: if if there's a landowner that would like in, more information. Is there anything on the web or they just got to call somebody to figure it out?
3: Yep, there's information on our Game and Fish website, gf.nd.gov, and go to the Landowners tab, and, um, and there'll, be a, there'll be a fact sheet um, uh, about the Red River Basin Wildlife and Water Quality Program. You can also just do the search in our website and find it that way too. Um, or give us a call Um, even though we would like the 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 landowner to work directly with the soil conservation district we can help steer them in the right direction and get them in contact with who who they need to be in contact with another thing just to point out too is in february on february 21st at the north dakota corn and soybean expo north dakota game and fish and um, and our partners are going to have a booth at the at the sh- at the the show, at the expo. And we'll have some information about this program. We'll have someone from Cass County Soil Conservation District there. Um, so anybody in that area can learn more information about it that way too.
2: All right. This is Kevin Kadyen, North Dakota Game and Fish Private Lands Coordinator. Thanks for coming on Gone Outdoors. We appreciate it. Thanks.
0: Well, it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer, and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock and then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7 Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.